You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Well, that was fun. Don't you think that was kind of fun? Uh, To you guys online, I want to say good morning. Thank you for joining in. We're glad to have you. To you guys here in the house, welcome. Um, Thank you for invigorating worship and participating And these guys lead us really well, but you're the congregation and you're the guys the Lord is hearing. And yay, that was fun. Um, I think I pulled a muscle watching you guys go hard there. If at any point in this service, by the way, forgive me, my name is Will Davis Jr. If I don't have the chance to know you, welcome to ACF. Um, Again, you guys online, welcome. We're so glad you're here. If at any point you want to know something about our church, um, small groups, students, youth, children, prayer, Really great stuff, care, great stuff going on. Um, You can text the phrase ACF Connect to 512-866-9908, and you get a link you can respond to, and we'll start dialogue with you, and we, it's just no time not to have a church. You guys online, it's no time not to have a church. Everybody needs a church. Everybody needs a church. And um, you will need a church at some point. Let us be yours, we'd love to. Um, so feel free to text us and we'll get right back to you. Um, this is the last Sunday gathering of ACF of 2021, okay? We're not gonna have church next weekend. We'll have Christmas Eve on Friday. The weather is gonna be outside. It's supposed to be 78 degrees and sunny, so bring your suntan lotion. Bring your suntan lotion. Uh, we're gonna be, so we'll have Christmas Eve, 4 p.m. on what we call affectionately the grassy knoll out here. And um, it's B-Y-O-E, bring your own everything. We had inflatable couches last year. I mean, it was, we, it was, y'all showed up. So it'll be a lot, one service, no holds barred, Christmas Eve, it's gonna be a blast. And I hope to see you this Friday there. Um, and again, next Sunday, we give everybody the weekend off, give our volunteers a weekend off, and we're back here ready to roll on January the 2nd. Speaking of January the 2nd, we'll launch a new series called Are You Ready? Are you ready for Are You Ready? Okay. Yes. Um, I sent you an email this week if you're on our uh, distribution list. I'm really, really, um, I'm really something about this service. I'm not sure what it's going to be yet, this series. Uh, I've been anticipating this for a while, praying about it. Um, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a shift for us, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I'll say more January, I don't want to say too much, but I'll say more January 2nd. Uh, the goal is to prepare you and to prepare us as a church for um, whatever challenges might befall us. I mean, the people in Kentucky woke up this week without churches and without pastors in some places. And um, you never know. I'm not a doomsdayer by any means. But um, I have felt led to prepare Austin Christian Fellowship for seasons of challenge that might come and days in the wilderness, thus the backpacking image. Plus, it's gonna give me an excuse to bring a backpack to church every week for eight weeks, so I'm really excited about it. Anyway, be praying, be present. Let's, let's see what the Lord does. All right, I'm gonna do a quick shop talk with you guys and jump into the series and the message today. Um, I met with our finance team and our elders on Monday and sat in just amazement at the level of quality and expertise and skill that went into preparing our budget for 2022, um, our accounting team, our operations team, and the staff here do an amazing job 
preparing and working really hard to make sure we account for every nickel that you guys give and that we give away as much as we possibly can and spend the rest really, really wisely. Uh, our goal is 50% always. We're not gonna get to 50% this year. We end, we're gonna end up at about 34% that we've given away. But that's not unusual given what's going on and giving is down, church attendance is down. But I will tell you that our missions leadership team told us this week they've not said no to us, not one need this year. When the needs have come before us, it's so good. No, it's so good. And this Wednesday, I may, I may break into a happy dance. Uh, this Wednesday, they're gonna sit down and write $580,000 worth of checks and send them out to, one to our ministry partners for one-time needs, well over half a million dollars. And that's not pledges, that's cash going out the door this week to bless people year in. And that's because of y'all. That's because of y'all. Woo, so good. Yes, I just did the window. Um, isn't that amazing? So we'll take it. When my missions director can look at me and say, we've not said no to a single need this year. I mean, in COVID and in all the stuff's going on, I mean, yeah. So come on. Um, and we're gonna, we know what numbers to pray for for next year to try to get closer to 50, but it's in God's hands. But it's real time, it's real money going out the door, and, and yay God. So thank you for being generous. Thank you for being that kind of church. And um, kind of makes me happy, I'm just gonna say. Uh, let me pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for these great leaders in this room. Thank you for our dear friends online. Bless this church. Uh, thank you for this last Sunday of 21. It's hard to believe this year is over and you have been so faithful to us as we were singing, you are good and Sarah was getting moved to tears a minute ago. I agree with that. We pause and think about your goodness to us. It's overwhelming, Lord. And uh, we, could, we could just list your goodness to us from now until the time you take us home to heaven. Um, praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Now, please humble me and activate my skills and gifts as we conclude this series on um, your genealogy, the genealogy of Jesus, and how you used all these amazing people to bring the Savior to us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, Jesus brought to you by dot, dot, dot. My, my daughter, Emily, taught us about Ruth a couple of weeks ago. Last week, I taught you about Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. And today, I'm going to teach you about the cast of characters. It, it's, like your, it's like your dining room table around Thanksgiving or Christmas. Um, there's quite a crew in the genealogy of Jesus. If you do not know, genealogies are there in Luke chapter one and Matthew chapter one, and then the list of the, the ancestors of Jesus. Uh, 42 listed in Matthew. Let me just read you Matthew chapter one, verses one and two. If you wanna open to Matthew, you can. And by the way, I'm gonna, this is gonna be a little salty this morning because the crew that is mentioned here in the scripture, there's no way to clean this up. I mean, this is kind of funny. There's not like this pure, untouched snow in Jesus' lineage. This is salty stuff. So just be ready, as I mentioned some people and their stories to you, uh, with some fun, I think, yay gods at the end of it. Matthew 1, 1 and 2 says, the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham fathered Isaac, Isaac fathered Jacob, Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers, and that goes on for 42 generations. And if you're typical like I am, you read that and go, okay, I'm gonna skip down. Because why all these names? Well, the, why all the names is because it mattered to both audiences, Jews and Gentiles, that Jesus was in fact the legal son of, descendant of King David, 
who the scriptures say uh, his throne would go on forever and ever. So not only does uh, the writer here, Matthew, take Jesus back to David, he takes him all the way back to Abraham, who was the father of the Jewish race. Abraham was living with his father Ur in a different, I mean, um, in a different area. And they said, come, God said, come, and I'll bless you and make a nation out of you. And Abraham went, and the Jewish nation was born. So Abraham really was the first Jew and the father of the nation of Israel. Well, that mattered to the Jews, and so he traced the genealogy all the way back. But what's, what's interesting is this reads like a who's who of trouble. I mean, it really is interesting. Some, and there's some, some heroes in this passage. But there's also, so let's just start with Abraham. Okay, Abraham fathered Isaac. All right, well, Abraham was the guy who got to the promised land with Sarah and a famine hit. And he said, we're going to go to Egypt and hang out in Egypt because they have food there. Every time, every time the Israelis, every single time the nation of Israel went to Egypt, they got in trouble. Egypt was never a solution, ever. God didn't tell Abraham to go to Egypt and uh, hang out there. He said, he said I've got to provide for you here. But Abraham was panicked, went down there. And the king t takes a liking to Sarah, Abraham's wife, and Abraham says, okay, like, take her, just as long as you don't hurt me. How do you feel? Imagine that conversation later on. And then the king finds out that they're married. He said, he was, he said Sarah's my sister. And he said, Sarah's my sister. And the king finds out later on, no, it's his wife. He's like, what are you doing? Are you trying to get me killed? God doesn't gonna prove this. So he sends it back and they go back to Israel eventually. And that's Abraham. That gives me so much hope. <laughs> you know, like he's the father of the Hebrew and he's like uh, fumbles and then his son does the same thing later, repeats the sin. So if Abraham can get, I mean, that really encourages me, honestly. So there's the father, Abraham, struggled in his faith, didn't believe God would provide, gave his wife away, and he's listed here in the genealogy. Verse five, Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Okay, uh, Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. And she had, her, her husband had died. Judah's son had died. And it was a real curse on a woman not to be able to procreate and have continued the family name. So she dressed as a prostitute and found her father-in-law in a weak moment and took advantage of him and had a birth, a child by her father-in-law which became one of the leaders and one of the members of the, the um, genealogy of Jesus. Put that in your family line. I mean, that's as, that's as bad as it gets, folks. Actually, it gets worse. So there is, there is, there's no good way to clean that up. And if you know Jewish history, you're reading this going, wow, I had no idea Tamar was in the family line of Jesus. Verse five, Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. You guys remember who Rahab was? Rahab was the prostitute who lived in the wall of Jericho. Not everybody was in that line of work because many were widows and it's the only way they could make a living. That was probably the case of Rahab. But she's the one who entertained the spies from the nation of Israel took care of them and said, when you come destroy the walls of Jericho, please rescue me and my family. 
And they did. And when Jericho went down, this Gentile, non, from a God, non-God-fearing nation that God said had to be destroyed, was grafted into the Israel line and ends up marrying one of these guys and becomes the mother of King David's grandfather. A Gentile prostitute. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. So Emily taught you about Ruth a couple of weeks ago. Ruth is an amazing woman, but she was a Moabite. She too was not part of the original. And, and all these marriages, listen, this is so amazing. All these marriages to people that are not Jews are all forbidden in scripture. Like you're supposed to marry Israelites and keep the line protected and pure, mostly so that other religious beliefs wouldn't creep in. Because with another nationality in a marriage comes that nationality's theology. And God wanted the Jewish race to, to worship and serve only him and not be tempted by pagan gods and idolatry and child sacrifice and all the things that come with it. So every time somebody marries outside the family line, they bring in the risk of more, and that's what happened to Solomon later on. So all that was unbiblical. People breaking the law of God over and over and over again, and yet God somehow in his grace found a way to work. And so Ruth is an amazing woman, but she wasn't a Jew. And here she is listed in the genealogy. She has a, man, a son named Obed, David's grandfather, who has a son named Jesse, who's King David's dad. David of the Psalms, David of David and Goliath. And you've got this 60, 70-year period where King David and his son Solomon rule. It's the greatest time in Israel's history. Israel's military, political, economic influence is, it's the greatest kingdom on the earth during those days. And it's a, it's a, it's a real reign of peace begun by David. They also build the temple. Solomon builds the temple for God that David started, which was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was an amazing temple. The foundation of it is still in Jerusalem. It's huge. It's massive. But Solomon was the son of Bathsheba. You guys know who Bathsheba was? And by the way, I'm, I'm, the, the women are named here. The men are just as guilty, okay? Bathsheba, did, did, she was seduced by David. She was really almost, seduced is not the right word. Um, she didn't have a lot of choice. David, is, his troops are out fighting. He stays home. And he basically summons this woman to his bedroom, and he's the king. You don't say no. Well, she gets pregnant, and that baby dies. Oh, by the way, she gets pregnant, and so David has her husband murdered. First, he brings her husband home to try to get him to sleep with his wife and cover the pregnancy up. So this is murder and conspiracy and adultery. Okay? The, the man won't sleep, Uriah is his name, he won't sleep with his wife while his soldiers are out fighting and David is like, what a great time to be noble. Like really? It gets him drunk, says go be with your wife. How dare I would not be with my wife and my soldiers are out fighting. So David sends him back to the front line and says get him killed. And then he takes Bathsheba as his wife. And then in an amazing act of grace, God gives him a son named Solomon. Blessed of God. And Solomon becomes the wisest man to live on the planet and gives us the Proverbs. 
in the book of Ecclesiastes. But the scriptures here are really important. Jesse fathered David, the king. David fathered Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. One of the reasons I believe in the Bible is it doesn't try to hide the stupidity of its characters. It's right there. So there's Bathsheba. There's murder. There's adultery. There's a king lying, stealing, trying to cover it up. Are you feeling better about your family line yet? I mean, this is looking like, okay, I can play ball with these guys for sure. <laughs> Verse seven, and by the way, Solomon violated that he used to do marriages for covenants. He had uh, one, two, three, about 600 wives. And many of them were not from Israel and they brought their faith and their theology in and led his heart away. And he didn't finish well. All that favor. He saw the pain that his dad's sin had brought to his household and he still couldn't avoid it himself. So he gives birth, he gives fathers a son named Rehoboam, verse seven. Rehoboam is not a good guy. And seeks old counsel and seeks new counsel on how to lead. And the old counsel says, treat your people kindly and they will follow you. New counsel says, treat your people harshly and they will fear you. He goes with new counsel. And there's a civil war. And so now you have the, what's called the divided monarchy. So the United Monarchy was Saul. It's about, it about 100 years Saul, then David, then Solomon, one nation of Israel, 12 tribes. Well, there's a civil war now with Rehoboam because he divides, he gets in a fight and they, 10 tribes go to the north and start a rival nation called Israel, capitals in Samaria, and two tribes stay in the south where Jerusalem is their capital and it's called the tribe of Judah. It's called the divided monarchy. It was divided because Rehoboam was started a war. And there he is in Jesus' lineage. Skip down a few verses. Hezekiah, verse 10, great king, fathered Manasseh, who is probably the most evil king in Judah's history. Manasseh was not a good, Manasseh was a thug, a murderer, an idolater, a child sacrificer, a prophet killer. He was a bad dude. His father, Hezekiah, had been a great, great man. And Manasseh may be the worst king in Judah's history as far as just morality and ethics and what he did to people. And there he is. He fathers a son named Amnon, Ammon, who doesn't live very long, but he gives birth to a son named Josiah, who was one of the greatest kings, led a revival, led a real awakening for the nation of Israel. But you notice in verse 11, Josiah fathered Jeconiah, and then there's this thing called a deportation to Babylon because um, the nation had been so sinful. When the divided kingdom happened in about 1022, Judah, excuse me, Israel in the north lasted 200 years and fell in 722 to the Assyrians. 586 BC, the southern kingdom, Judah falls to the Babylonians. Both just get wiped out. 
and go to deportations. Jesus came at a time when they had been restored and were under Roman rule, about 500 years after the Babylonian captivity. A little bit of Jewish history for you there, guys. Okay, so isn't that interesting? I mean, there's other names. I'll just give you some high points. I mean, you would think that this would have been a protective, but if, folks, if we start with Adam and Eve, you, go, you know, you go south from there. Because they had it perfect with God. And they failed. And sin entered into the world. And so God had to use a sin-filled line to bring us a sinless person. That's only something God can do, by the way. So let me give you some um, really encouraging lessons from this quite the cast of characters at Jesus' table and dinner, okay? Number one, what Satan intends for evil, God can use for good. Any, any have any witnesses on that one? This is a biblical promise. When Joseph was sold into slavery by his older brothers, wound up being a, the king of Egypt and providing provision and, and grain and helping the nation. He said, you know, what you guys intended for evil, God used for good here. Well, that's how God works. So there are all these insertions into the lineage of Jesus trying to derail this thing and trying to really bring shame to the name of God and shame to the people of God and derail the hope of the Messiah who was promised all the way back in Genesis chapter three. That one of these days, the offspring of the woman is gonna crush the head of the enemy. That's in Genesis 3, verse 15. Well, Satan went to work that day trying to derail that plan. I've gotta mess up this line because we can't have this seed crushing my head. And what he intended for evil, God flipped and used for good. And even with this long list of people who aren't, many of them particularly noble, some of them amazingly noble. Josiah, such a great king. He was eight years old when he became king. Just had a heart for God. Hezekiah, great king. But so many of them who struggled and engaged in behaviors that we wouldn't condone today. It just shows you how even when the, the enemy is at work and the headlines read so negatively and so poorly, folks, God is still working. And God is still doing good. And God is still doing good through really great people. And there are heroes out there. And there are people that God is working through and there are people that God is working in spite of. But, but my bad day isn't gonna derail the will of God. Isn't that great to know? Your bad day is not gonna thwart 2,000 years of kingdom work. I remember several years ago we got... I don't know how this came up, but the American atheists decided to have their national convention in Austin on Easter and did it on purpose. They may be atheists, but they have senses of humor, trust me. And so they're like, okay, that's great. We're having this big atheist convention. So my friend Ryan Rush, who's a banning burn at the time, reached out and said, hey, can we have a debate with you guys while you're in town? We want you to come to Austin if like you're not loved. So let's have a party, get some Christians and get some atheists together and let's just see what happens. And I got... I was one of the ones invited to sit at the table and debate these guys, talk with these guys. And I remember being really excited about it until I was walking in the hotel for the meeting. And I was with my friend Randy Phillips of Life Austin. And I said, Randy, would you please pray tonight that we don't undo 2,000 years of Christian work in three hours? Because it could happen. 
I mean, I did not want the kingdom to fail because of what we do tonight or don't do. God's so much bigger than my idiocy. <laughs> I mean, if it's up to us, aren't you glad there's grace? Because my line, if I'm in this thing, I, uh, it's pretty salty. What the devil intends for evil, God uses for good. And I bet that just drives the devil crazy. Okay? Second, this is, this is for some of you right now. Okay? You guys, this is for some of you. It's never too late to turn a family back to God. Some of you are doing it right now. No family is beyond reach. Jesus is the 42nd in his family line from Abraham. And that was the best one yet. With that 42nd generation came the kingdom of God. I have been close witness to many people who wake up in a generational um, nightmare. They wake up having not inherited a lot of blessing. So you can, what you do matters and it goes down. What you do upstream affects downstream. What you put in the water gets passed down. And I know some people and I'm looking at some who have awakened in their generational progress going, you know, we weren't really set up to win. There's isms in their family, there's sin in their family, there's death in their family and crime and not a lot of faith and they've, they've grown up in that and they're not really set up to, they don't really inherit a lot of blessing. And they're the ones that go, you know what, but we're gonna change it. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. And so I've seen them. In some cases, I've prayed with them. Where they draw a line in the sand and put their foot down and say, this sin stops here. And we rebuke it, we recant of it, we renounce it, and we're gonna be a family of righteousness. We're gonna be a family that loves God and serves God. And I know what my dad may have done or my grandparents, I know I inherited what, some goofy stuff or whatever, and that's fine, but you know what? I'm God, my God is bigger than that. And we're turning this ship like now. And they've prayed and dedicated and just said, we're going, we're going back to Israel. We're leaving Egypt, going back to Israel, and gonna live with God. And they raise kids who never know anything but that. And then their kids raise kids who, who never knew of the part of the family that was like Manasseh, the worst king in Israel's history. They don't even know that's in their background. All they know is I live in a blessed family because somebody along the line said, enough, I'm turning this thing. And some of you are sitting here today going, that's me. I'm, we're the guy, we're the family, we're the generation that is gonna flip the script on how we grew up and raise a bunch of, raise a bunch of Young'uns who love the Lord. And you're doing it. And it just fires me up. You don't have to live of what you inherited. 
the script that was written um, for you and has been handed down to you is not the script you have to choose to live with. And if God can turn this family line, I mean, you show me a family line that matches this one. This is pretty good. If God can turn this one, he can turn yours. All he needs is a willing participant. All he needs is a Joseph who says, I'm gonna honor Mary and what I think God is telling me and we're gonna turn this thing. And I think, I just wanna say to some of you, maybe this Christmas is the time you actually put it down in writing or you put, it, you put a cornerstone in your house or you plant a tree or something that marks. This is, we're going into 22 and we're saying this. This sin stops here. And this generational momentum that's a bunch of junk, it ends now. Because this is a God of good. This is a God of hope. And what I was given, I'm not passing that down to my kids. And I'm going to go to counseling, or I'm going to go to AA, or 12 steps, or all of the above, or whatever. Because I'm going to be a man or a woman who loves the Lord and gives that to my kids. Because I want my grandkids waking up, not just thinking, I want my grandkids waking up thinking it's normal. Some of you have done that, and it just fires me up. Third, I don't know about you, but I got goosebumps. Third, God can use, say it with me, anyone. <laughs> anyone. I might even say anything. Because there's a donkey or two in the story of the Bible. There's a big fish in the story of the Bible. There's a talking donkey. I mean, if he can do that, I'm a candidate. There's a talking serpent. Okay? There's a whirlwind. So if God, you know, God can use anyone. He can use anyone. And, and again, you're... Your past, your sins, your story do not disqualify you. If you're still drawing breath, you're still qualified. So don't let that devil tell you you've been canceled out because of the night of your senior prom or the, the decade of the 70s or last week. The moment, your heart goes, the moment your heart goes soft toward God, you're qualified. Period. He will not wrestle with a hard heart. He'll let you be hard as long as you want to be. But when the moment you humble yourself, in the language of Daniel, come to your senses and humble yourself before God, he'll restore the kingdom to you. He will. I put anyone in bold type because I wanted you to get it and I wanted to emphasize it. Anyone, no exceptions. And this family line proves it to us. Who knew there was so much fun in the genealogies of Jesus? So on this final Sunday of 2021, I'm not a real New Year's resolution guy. Uh, I'll, I'll feel 
later in the year, I'll feel, I'm sure later in the year, next two weeks, I'll feel a little something that I need to maybe wake up January and try something different or try something harder or whatever. But I'm, I just try to be that guy all year long. But it does, the way our calendar flips does allow us a chance to think anew. January is always a chance for us to think, okay, what can I do differently? Do some evaluation. What if you just left the junk in 21? What if you left the junk here today or you guys online, maybe write it down and just say, you know what? Last Sunday of the year, we're having church. I'm done. And we're flipping this script. And as for me and my house, we're all in. Many of you have already done that and you don't have a script to flip. Some of you still, some of you are still trying to figure out who's in charge here or what team you're gonna play on. And as I'm gonna tell you in the Are You Ready series, there's only one team that's gonna win. And you wanna be on the right side of that history, trust me. So why not on this concluding Sunday of 21, put your name on the right side of the ledger. Confess, if you have not, Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. And repent and be baptized in his name for the forgiveness of your sins, you and all of your household. Why not do that? Why not decide, take your spouse by the hands and say, we're gonna raise, we're gonna be the God-fearing line in this generation. Some of you that are, are playing ball right now in a house that's divided spiritually might have to make that promise and that claim over your whole household, even over your spouse until that happens. You may have to pray that, Lord, this generation's gotta start with my spouse before we can turn this thing and, and continue to pray until that comes. So you being the godly one in the home need to maybe make some declarations for what you envision. But why don't we, why, why wouldn't we? Because what the devil intends for evil, God can use for good. And because it's never too late to turn our family back to God. And because God will use anybody. He's just looking for a soft heart. Let's pray. You guys online, join in as we pray. Well, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Um, it's been great to be here. It's been great to hear these words. Whew. I'm the recipient of some generation changers in my life. I was, I was born into what I think was normal that was not normal for the generation before me. And I'm grateful for it. I thank you for, I thank you that these genealogies are included. I, I thank you that Luke takes it all the way back to Adam and Adam like messed up. And yet there is this line of family with all of our sin and shortcomings and mistakes, some written in history. And yet still you gave us Jesus out of all that. And here we are. Lord, I pray that this um, 
message will sneak up on some people and show them what they can become. Show them who they can be. Show them that they can be the generation turners. And while evil goes down two or three generations, righteousness can go down thousands. Lord, may that be the outcome of today. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys online, um, we're gonna have a Christmas Eve event just for you. So join us Christmas Eve and it'll be recorded, produced specifically for you. Hope you can join us. If you can't make it here in person, the rest of you guys will be, uh, you guys online, let me go ahead and sign off and say thanks for joining in and we'll see you in 2022, which is crazy.